Welcome to the evening episode of Honey in the Rock. We hope you've had a great day and we've got a great show ahead for you. Stick with us. This evening's episode is titled Spoken in the Name of the Lord Our God. It shall be focused on a study of Jeremiah chapter 26. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the opportunity to hear of your word this evening. May you speak to us out of thy word and may the words of life spring forth in our hearts and wash us from our sins. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, We shall listen to Jeremiah chapter 26. Jeremiah 26. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, came this word from the Lord, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house, and speak unto all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house. All the words that I command thee to speak unto them, Diminish not a word. If so be, they will hearken, and turn every man from his evil way, that I may repent me of the evil which I purpose to do unto them because of the evil of their doings. And thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, If ye will not hearken to me, to walk in my law which I have set before you, to hearken to the words of my servants the prophets whom I sent unto you, both rising up early and sending them, but ye have not hearkened. Then will I make this house like Shiloh, and will make this city a curse to all the nations of the earth. So the priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. Now it came to pass, when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak unto all the people, that the priests and the prophets and all the people took him, saying, Thou shalt surely die. Why hast thou prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without an inhabitant? And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the princes of Judah heard these things, then they came up from the king's house unto the house of the Lord, and sat down in the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. Then spake the priests and the prophets unto the princes, and to all the people, saying, This man is worthy to die, for he hath prophesied against this city, as ye have heard with your ears. Then spake Jeremiah unto all the princes and to all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city all the words that ye have heard. Therefore now amend your ways and your doings, and obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will repent him of the evil that he hath pronounced against you. As for me, behold, I am in your hand. Do with me as seemeth good and meet unto you. But know ye for certain, that if ye put me to death, ye shall surely bring innocent blood upon yourselves, and upon this city, and upon the inhabitants thereof. For of a truth the Lord hath sent me unto you to speak all these words in your ears. Then said the princes and all the people unto the priests and to the prophets, This man is not worthy to die, for he hath spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. Then rose up certain of the elders of the land, and spake to all the assembly of the people, saying, Micah the Morasthite, 
prophesied in the days of Hezekiah king of Judah, and spake to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed like a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house as the high places of a forest. Did Hezekiah king of Judah and all Judah put him at all to death? Did he not fear the Lord and besought the Lord, and the Lord repented him of the evil which he had pronounced against them? Thus might we procure great evil against our souls. And there was also a man that prophesied in the name of the Lord, Urijah the son of Shemaiah of Kirjath-Jarim, who prophesied against this city and against this land according to all the words of Jeremiah. And when Jehoiakim the king, with all his mighty men, and all the princes heard his words, the king sought to put him to death. But when Urijah heard it, he was afraid and fled, and went into Egypt. And Jehoiakim the king sent men into Egypt, namely Elnathan the son of Achbor, and certain men with him into Egypt. And they fetched forth Urijah out of Egypt, and brought him unto Jehoiakim the king, who slew him with the sword, and cast his dead body into the graves of the common people. Nevertheless the hand of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, was with Jeremiah, that they should not give him into the hand of the people to put him to death. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Rev. William Branham, titled, The Evening Messenger. This was preached in 1963, on January the 16th, we'll begin at paragraph 104 up to paragraph 189. I trust you find it to be a blessing. I see there how his message comes, how he sends his message. He can't change that. He's always done it. He has to always remain the same. That's why he'll always do it. Now, remember, when does he do it? Just before the destructions, just at the end of the age. That's when he sends his message to call out his people. He always get them mixed up. Here they come. Now, in the days of Moses, the believers were saved. The unbelievers perished. The one who believed Moses' message from God. Now, they would not have done it unless Moses would have been a vindicated of God and proven that God's word was with him. That made him a prophet. Got out there and he said, Tomorrow, about this time, you'll see such and such take place. Tomorrow it took place. It was all any true prophet of God that speaks in the name of the Lord. Lord. And it'll come to pass that so and so will take place. I'm going up to Pharaoh, but he'll harden, have a hardened heart. He'll say, Let us go, but he won't do it. And it comes to pass. Why? Then the people knew this man was sent from God. And then they begin to see that God blessed him and they honored him. And when they did great things taking place and the people who laughed and made fun and would not accept his message, they perished with the rest of the unbelievers. But the believers went out and entered into the promised land. They went under the anointed message of the messenger. It was a message of deliverance that God promised He'd bring His people to a land flowing with milk and honey. And it happened because God had already said so, and Moses come and was vindicated as a messenger of that day. Now that brings it pretty plain to us. 
All right. Then we find out that uh, Moses was correctly identified. And then at the change of the age, the time come for between law and grace, there had to come a time that this spoken Messiah was to come. We find out that the time that the people had twisted the law, made it all under a great group of something, and had all kinds of, of traditions of man that injected into it, at the changing of the time came Jesus, another prophet, God prophet. I say he was a prophet. The Bible said he was. The Lord your God shall raise up a prophet like unto me. He was the God prophet at the changing of time between law and grace that he had spoke of for all these years. After he gave the law to Moses, then at the change of the time when he said it would be done, then he come back to grace and he sent a prophet prophesying of the time. Now, now the believers, he gathered them. The unbelievers perished in his day. All who believed on him was saved. All that did not believe his message was lost. That's exactly what took place in the days of Noah. That's what took place in the days of Lot. That's what took place in the other days, the days of Moses. That's what taken place in the days of Jesus Christ. For they despised the message and perished, and those who believed the message was lost, or was saved. Now, now then comes the church dispensation in. We live back in the Noah's time, the Andalusian. We come into the dispensation of law. Then in the dispensation of grace, the church. And now the church dispensation is ending. We all know that. Now, if God did thus and thus in that dispensation, and those other two dispensations, He has to remain the same and do the same in this dispensation. Because He said He would do it. I'll prove it in a few minutes by the Word. That He said He would do it. Now, he cannot change his program. He's God. Notice what he did in them dispensations. Now we come to the church dispensations in time. That's what I read tonight. It shall be light in the evening time. We've had plenty of dismal time, but there shall come light. The same sun that came and changed the dispensation then comes again. That's going to be from earth to glory. We were going that one time we went in, the other time we went out, and this time we are going up. All right, in, out, up. We're coming to the end time. And we're not only coming, we've already arrived. We are at the end time. What does God find in this end time? God finds in this end time just exactly what He found in other end times. Unbelief. He's always been that he, when he comes, he, he finds unbelief. He finds that the program that he laid down to the people back there in Noah's time, if they would live after his ordinances, offer the sacrifices, they got away from it. When he come, he found this, that thing operating wrong. The same thing he did when he come on earth. He found the people and the Pharisees and so forth, they the law. What was they doing? Just no sincerity in it all. Just go ahead and slop it through any old way. And this long as they joined the church and that's all they needed. And that's what he found. And that's what he's found again. Amen. He 
he finds the same thing. People doesn't change. So if he set his program and the people disbelieved it there and they perished, they believed it and lived. Now, on those two, it's got to be the same on this time. Got to be the same. Oh, it's always been a fight for the messenger to separate the old from the new. It's always been that fight for, for the messenger coming in to separate old from new, though always the message must be scriptural. Now, for each has foretold of the other to come. Now, let's take, for instance, Jesus. How hard it was him to come in and change the message from law to grace. Yet the Bible said it would come that way. There come a, a Messiah. And the daily sacrifice would be taken away. And we know it was prophesied through the prophets. What a great thing it was for him to do that. But we find out he did it. And the one... He did it because the Scripture said, and the believers of that day, so-called believers, absolutely would not agree with Him. Look at those Pharisees, Sadducees. They have their own traditions. And no one is going to shake them from it. That's what they believe. Their mother believed that. Their daddy believed that. And their grandpa and grandma believed that. And Moses said so. But the same Moses that gave the law was the same Moses said this guy would come. And they failed to recognize it because they had got the true Word of God in traditions and it left off the main principle of it. And it had to be that way. Notice, each one foretold the other would come. Each one of the messengers, after the message, foretold it would come. Now, but the people always takes the message of the day that they've had. They set it up. Let's break it down a little bit farther home. Let's look at Luther. When Luther preached justification by faith, he was a messenger, the angel of that church age. All right. Of the Sardis church age. Now, notice, when he preached, he set the Lutherans in order. Now, then here went Luther spreading on. And when Wesley come in, the Philadelphian church age, with a message of sanctification, why, it was hard for Luther to see that. Them Luthers wouldn't believe it. And then when Wesley got them all settled down to the Pilgrim Holiness and Free Methodists and so forth on sanctification, and along came the Pentecostal message, why, it was hard for Methodists to believe that. Sure it was. See, it's a, yet one speaks of the other one. Scripturally speaking, Enoch told of the coming destructions by his rapture. God take him home. He was a witness. Abraham told of, of Moses. And Moses told of the Messiah. See? They keep telling one to the other. Messiah told of this time. Telling what this would be. You say, oh, Brother Bram. Oh, yes, he did. Let's just... I got many scriptures wrote down here. I'll just refer to two or three of them. Let's take Matthew 24. Now, let's take uh, Matthew, the 24th chapter, and read what he told there would take place. How nations would rise against nations... But remember, then he gets down there and he says, as it was in the days of Noah, and as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. He foretold it. He predicted these things would happen. He said, now, when all this has happened, the time's not yet, 
so forth, but said, learn a parable of the fig tree. When it's young, it puts forth branches and all the other trees. Then you know that summer is not. Likewise, when you see this come to pass, know that time is not. Even at the door. Now, when you see what? The fig tree budding and all the other trees begin to bud. It was a sign. And Israel has always been the fig tree. Joel even prophesied of it. What the palmer worm left the caterpillar eating and taking the thing down. But God promised, I will restore, saith the Lord. And he will do it. But before he can restore that back in his spiritual state, the Gentile church has to be taken out. He won't have two of them at the same time. Now, you can't make scriptures twist themselves like that. He never had two witnesses at the same time, uh, uh, major witnesses, and he never had, he never, he don't have two churches at the same time. Notice, if the Gentile church has to be taken away first for the Jews, then the end of the 70 weeks of Daniel takes place. The three and a half years Messiah prophesied, and then he was cut off the prince in the middle of the 70th week, and then there's three and a half weeks left yet. And we find out two prophets of Revelation. He never changes his code again. Of Revelation 11 comes down and prophesies to the Jews. Now the church will be taken away at that time. And we see Israel the first time for several hundreds of years. Although over 2,000 years. Is now become a nation. Her own army. Her own money. Israel is in the homeland. Her own nation, own flag, belonging to the United Nations. She is a nation. Watch one of the greatest signs that we could think of. Right now, Israel in her homeland. And Jesus said, this generation that sees Israel go back to her homeland shall not pass until all has been fulfilled. See, he spoke of this day. Let me just give a, another. In 2 Timothy 3, he spoke of the church at the end time. said they'd be heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Take the church world over. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Stay home and watch a television program before attending prayer meeting on Wednesday night. You say, that's Baptist. That's Pentecostal. Sir. Yes, sir. Oh, heady. High-minded. Lovers of pleasure. Put the word right under their nose. They won't look at it. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Tell the women they shouldn't bob their hair. They bob it anyhow. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Truce breakers. False accusers. Incontinent and despisers are those that are right. Having, you said that's atheist. No, no. Having a form of godliness. <laughs> but denying the power thereof. The power that can deliver you from this present world system. Power thereof. From such turn away. Don't care what the rest of the people says. It's you as an individual for God. You've got to answer. No matter what this woman does or that woman does or this man does or that man does or this preacher says or that preacher says. It's you and God. Having a farm, it's a tradition, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Are we living that day? Sure. Look again. In the last church age, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Himself, I, Jesus, sent my angel. 
to testify these things. And uh, Revelation is the third chapter, speaking of this church age. Jesus giving testimony of what will take place in the last days. He said the church will become rich. Lady Osea, lukewarm, can just jump around enough when the music's playing to shout. Mm. Right. But for a testimony and a life that'll clean up, it's far from it. I don't, I wouldn't hurt you for nothing. But I had a vision not long ago of being in the paradise of God. I cannot but tell you the truth. God help us ministers to be honest in these things and tell the truth. See, look hold. The Bible said they would be that way, so they're going to be that way. If it struck it perfect with Luther, it struck it perfect with and the Philadelphia age was Wesley. It's got to speak it and be perfect. It has spoken and it will be exactly that way in the Lady Osea. Rich, need of nothing. We can put billions of dollars in buildings. We can put everything to every, every worldly amusement. We can build the finest churches. That's all right. Nothing. That's perfectly all right. But I'm trying to say, then when the message begins to swing over them, they don't want you. You're a crackpot. You're a fanatic. You ought to live 50 years ago. See? Oh, you might think that uh, I wouldn't have such as a pastor. It's your pastor anyhow. Jezebel will never admit that, that Elijah was her pastor, but he sure was. <laughs> he certainly was. He was set an example, a messenger to the nation of Israel. And today the precious Holy Spirit in God's Word is a messenger to the church to straighten them out and to bring them back to the Word. We speak of it, but you see no one move. We get those things so mixed up. I heard someone like in testimony say, lift him up. How do you lift him up? And oh, oh, just get a little ism. Somebody said... Watch and pray. So that means keep one eye open when you're praying. Look with the other. And watch and pray. Well, watch me. Watch for the coming of the Lord. And pray. See, it's just turning the thing around. Therefore, in that, what do we do? We make up a little tradition of our own. And then, if whether it's God constructed or not. And we go out the first thing you know. We've got a little group following us and pulling them away from the main body of the church. Instead of coming in and praying and solving the thing out and let the body move on, we do those things, whether they're constructed or not. If you've got truth, then stay with truth. That's exactly right, but let it be Bible truth first. Notice, by the, this Lady of Sin Age and the prophets of the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul, which was the Messiah, it wasn't Paul, it was Christ. God in sundry times and divers manners spoke to the fathers through the prophets in this last day by Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1. Notice, the Holy Spirit, Christ. Christ-centered gospel. Christ-centered word. And if it is Christ-centered and been the, been, God will have vindicated to be the truth. That's the reason you Pentecostal people receive the Holy Ghost in the faith of the Methodist, uh, face of the Methodist sanctification because you was exactly on the Word. 
That's the reason you Methodists got sanctified when the Luthers didn't believe in it. You were on the Word. That's how you Luthers got saved, justified, because your messenger preached justification and protested the Catholic Church, which was an all friend of all. They just believed in the church. You come back to the Bible. And you took that Bible truth and held to it. And then along come Wesley with another truth and held to it. Along come the Pentecost with another truth and held to it. Then if you can hold to that and see it's right, why not take the whole thing? That's been proved right. Believe it all. Now, when we see these messengers, we know then. We see Christ, the great God prophet, foretelling these things to happen in the last days. What's it doing? Introducing the crop time. It's introducing the time that the crop is going to be harvested. What will be in the last days? Is it? Now, these things will be in the last days. We know what kind of a crop we're looking for. We're looking for a church that once had light, turned away from it, went to the glamour of the world, all polished up. Is that right? Getting away, taking any, any kind of a member and anything, you call it Pentecostals. Baptize anything. Water don't save a man. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no life in water. Life comes in the blood cell. Takes sanctification to cleanse that life. To kill the desire of sin. Then the Holy Spirit comes into that clean vessels and sets it aside and work. Service. The altar sanctified the vessel, but the, its filling is what put it in service. It was set aside for service. Now it's got to be put in service. And the Holy Ghost puts the church in service. I used to like that little song. They were gathered in the upper room all praying in His name. They were baptized with the Holy Ghost and power for service came. Yes. And the rest of it says, what He did for them that day, He can do for you the same. The crop. The prophets. We stop there on Christ. Now we just go back a little bit. Isaiah. The prophet, how he testified, prophesied of the end time. He said the whole body would become full of putrefied sores. Every table would be full of vomit. Why, men and women today, they take the communion living with two or three wives or two or three husbands. Right. All kinds of smoking cigarettes and all those things coming into the church, taking communion. Now, I could go just a little lower than that, but I'll just wait a while. Maybe this ain't right. Man. I felt just a little checked on what I was going to say. But I'm, you can read between the lines. You know what the Bible says. What the common and uncommon things are. All these things we see happening then. And the nation, science says this four or five years ago, it's three minutes till midnight. Israel's in her homeland. The churches in the Lady Osea. Oh, my. What are we looking for? What's the matter? We're looking for evening light. Oh, I wonder if it would come if we'd recognize it. Or would it skip over the top of our heads like it has back in other ages? They never know it till it's done too far gone. You remember, 
those religious people was the one who killed the prophets that was sent to them. Jesus said so. He said, you hypocrites. said, you garnish the tombs of the prophets and your fathers put them in there. And then build their tomb. Look at the Roman Catholic Church. Garnish the tomb of St. Patrick. <laughs> garnish the tomb of, of Joan of Arc. They killed that woman and burned her as a witch because she was spiritual. Because she's seen visions. They burned her at the stake as a witch. Two hundred years later, they dug up the priest's body and threw him in the river to do penance. Knowing that she was a servant of Christ. But in the day, they didn't know who she was while the church was passing through. And it'll go right over the top of people and they'll never recognize it. Jesus, they didn't know he was the son of God until he was dead and buried and rose again. Didn't Peter indict him on the day of Pentecost? You man with wicked hands have taken the prince of life and slayed him. Oh, the flashing red signal of his coming is down. Amen. We're at the end. Amen. That flashing red signal is everywhere. Everywhere. Echabah wrote on. The time is ended. Time's run out. Science has come to their end. That's right. They've invented something now that they can blow the whole world up. Everyone's afraid of the other one. They're at the end time. Civilization. It's got to a place that people, the pinnacle swinging backward. People don't act like civilized people. Could you imagine a man wanting to be a beatneck? With his whiskers hanging down like this, his britches hanging off his hips, slopping down through a schoolyard like that. The intelligence of the world that is to come. After this, if there is any more of it. Taking little 14-year-old girls out. Them out on the street. Today in my motel, there laid a mother out there with not enough clothes on to wad a musket shotgun. And her husband laying out there the same way. And that cold wind. They think their body's so pretty they have to show it. Don't you realize that's a devil? That's right. Stripping their clothes. Only the insane does that. Legion did it because he was crazy. (laughs) Notice. And we have that, but that's called style. That's called modern. We call it the devil. I got the Bible to prove that it's the devil. It's devil possession. Demon possession. Not oppression, possession. He's got you. Right. Tell them about it. They'll blow up. They want nothing to do with it. No, sir. They got their own ideas because at their morgue they go to, they never rebuke it. Sex appeal is practice in schools and in churches. And pastors are afraid to rebuke it. Very seldom anything. Heard a minister that he said when they invented this blue stuff for the eyes and, and red lips, they made a prettier world. A minister of the gospel in the pulpit would make a remark like that. He needs a trip to Calvary. Exactly right. When the Bible condemns him, in a Pentecostal group, told a sister. It come to the place crying because she had her hair done up on the back of her head with long hair. Said your spare tar might get deflated. Said you must cut that hair off because 
that the Bible said she had in Isaiah uh, fifth chapter had round tires like a moon. Now, how can the Bible say that a woman does an uncommon thing? She's not fit to live with when she cuts her hair. She proves that she dishonors her head, and then her bald head. How can you make the Bible say something like that? What's the matter with our Pentecostal women? You seen too much television. You seen too much of the world, and not enough of God's word in the world. Now the Bible says that. That's what the Bible says. That's not me now. That's the Bible. Oh, sex appeal. A lady said to me not long ago, I was going on about him wearing these shorts. Said I, I wear slacks. I said that's worse. You, as the Bible said so. He cannot change. You said that's the Baptist. That's a Pentecost. I'm talking to you. That's true. But what's the matter? What's the matter? Somebody let down the bar somewhere. An old preacher friend of mine used to say, we let down the bars, we let down the bars. We compromise with sin. We let down the bars, the sheep got out, but how did the goats get in? What's the matter when you let down the bars? The bars of God's Word. Remember, it was God's program to fortify His church by His Word at the beginning. And when Eve reasoned and said, well, now, isn't it reasonable I could live just as good? Uh, that did it. That's always did it. That's the reason she was forbidden to be a preacher. See? Uh, it, it's let down the bars. That's where the church, the grassroots of it, hatched out in Pentecost, and that's the grassroots. There's no scripture for it. See? Now, what do you do then? You get the same conglomeration that you got back there in Eden. Notice. Now, then when we come to the Word, you say it about it. Nobody can withstand that. I challenge anybody to say it. Preached on the seat of the serpent, so many brought up about, I've asked some man to come face me down in it. I don't find him. At the Chicago not long ago, you got the tape. They thought they trapped me into something. They had the whole Greater Ministerial Association of Chicago. Brother, um, what's in Tommy Hicks? Brother Carlson was there. And two nights I, before that, the Lord woke me up and I said, go stand by that window. I went and it was storming. He said, now they've got a trap set for you. He said, at this breakfast, don't you be afraid. Go on. I'll be with you. Now, this is in the name of the Lord. You can ask them and find out. It's on tapes foretold beforehand. said, now, don't be afraid to go, but go stand. said, I'll be with you. And the next day I met Brother Carlson, the head of the chapter there, and Tommy Hicks. And he told me I'd meet him and we'd go to a place called County Country for breakfast. I sat down there just exactly. I said, Brother Hicks, you are a doctor of divinity. And we're going to meet a great group of ministers here, the Association of Chicago. Why don't you go and speak for me? I've done a lot of things for you. I just tested you. He said, oh, I couldn't do that, Brother Branham. I said, well, why don't you go on? I said, I'd do anything for you. Now, why don't you just do that for me? He said, oh, I couldn't do it, Brother Branham. They wouldn't stand still for that. Brother Carlson said, no, they wouldn't. I said, you know why. I said, let me tell you something. Is because it's you both of you know that they got a question trap set for me. And I said, You've got it. I said, This is on tape. If you want the tape, we can have it. You know all these men. So I said, Night before last, I saw a vision that we would set here this morning. And if Tommy would turn this down, I said, Now watch. You're, you've got that hotel room rented. Yes. The rent paid on it. Yes, Brother Carlson. But you're not going to get to keep it. That's thus saith the Lord. Why? 
You're going to go into some other place. That's a, that's a green room. We're going into a brown room. I'm going to be in a corner. Dr. Mead will sit to my right, and that old colored minister and his wife will sit over here at the left, just the way it would be like that. And I said, you watch. Now, just come along. You've seen God heal the sick. Watch him in battle one time. I said, he's great, marvelous. I said, just watch the questions and see how hushed it is. And when we got there that morning, if you want the tape, Jim, you've got it, have you, Brian? Right here, right here, you can have the tape if you want it at the meeting. I said, what you got against me? What's the matter, you fellas? Brother Carlson said, well, Brother Branham told me two days ago it would have, and they didn't get the building. They canceled it. They couldn't let him have it because some musical bunch had got it, and they didn't know they had to deposit it. And then he had to cancel out the businessman. You probably heard the message of it. Brother William Sheeran here also. And, and, and he said, Brother Branham told me exactly where every person would be set and told me exactly what would take place. Said one thing, said I, a whole lot of us may disagree with Brother Bram on his message, but said, I have to admit one thing, he's not as scared to tell it. So, so then, said, fearless with it. So now, here you are, Brother Bram. I said, now before we start, I want some man on something that I've said to take that Bible and stand here by my side. And that's the most silent group you ever heard. I said, then if you can't support it, then keep off my back. Yes! Brothers, I'm here to put my shoulders with you, but we got to come back to Bible facts. Amen. Say, why don't why don't you leave off them women? You, you, people believe you to be a, a seer of God. I said, I never said that. He said, but the people believe that. Say, why don't you why don't you keep off them women? Said and quit telling them about the way they should dress and cut their hair and things they should use. Why don't you keep off them? Why don't you teach them how to receive gifts and, and do something for the glory of God? I said, how in the world can I teach them algebra when they won't even learn their ABCs? Right. You've got to come back to the foundation and start. God have mercy on us, man. Yes, sir. Here we are, in time. Red light down, flashing. Coming of the Lord is at hand. Yes, sir. Listen, the in time message should meet in-time conditions. Yeah. Where they got off the message or to bring it back. <laughs> Always in-time message meets in-time conditions. Always through the Scripture. It'll have to do it this time. A call back to the original Word. Oh, my. Like other messengers did in the day. This message will have to be the same. We're promised that. God promised it in His Word. Malachi 4 said it would happen. And restore the faith of the children back to the fathers. Promised it. And we're living in that day. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we learn in this scripture how much of a lonely walk it oftentimes is to stand by your word. And Jeremiah is standing with your word even if it meant death to him. How he said, take my life if you wish, but I've spoken to you in the word of the Lord. We thank Thee, Father, for men like that who stood for Your Word, even if it meant their life was on the line. Help us, Father, to have the same determination when we make a stand for Thee, even if it costs us our lives or our comfort, whatever the price might be. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. 
to make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. Judge by the world.